Luke chapter 17. And also, if you would grab a hymn book and be prepared to turn to a hymn in just a moment. I'm wondering how many of you know the name Martin Rinkhart. Can I see your hands, please? Well, that doesn't surprise me. I really didn't expect to see any hands this morning because Martin Rinkhart was a German pastor who lived a little bit earlier than we did. 1586 to 1649. Now, during his lifetime in 1636, amid the darkness of the Thirty Years War, Pastor Rinkhart is said to have buried 5,000 of his parishioners in just one year. In fact, they averaged that out and it averaged out to 15 per day. You see, his parish was obviously ravished by war and death and economic disaster. Now, can you imagine that 5,000 funerals in one year? Death after death, funeral after funeral, and on and on it went. Day after day, week after week, month after month. But in the midst of that darkness, with the cries of fear outside of his window, Martin Rinkhart sat down and wrote out a table grace for his children. And that table grace is found in our hymn books, and I want you to turn to it, please. Page 638. 638. And I want you to turn there and I want you to follow along as I read the words to you. This song may be familiar to you. It may not. We have sang it a couple of times on Wednesday evenings. And we'll want to definitely add it to our list of songs to sing during Thanksgiving. But let's read it and you follow along as I read. And think about his life. Think about what was going on at this time. And I want you to think about these words. It says at 638 now. Now thank we all our God. With heart and hands and voices. Who wondrous things have done. In whom his world rejoices. Who from our mother's arms. Hath blessed us on our way. With countless gifts of love. And still is ours today. Oh may this bounteous God. Through all our life be near us. With ever joyful hearts. And blessed peace to cheer us. And keep us in his grace. And guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills in this world and the next. All praise and thanks to God, the Father now be given. The Son and him who reigns with them in highest heaven. The one eternal God whom earth and heaven adore. For thus it was, is now, and shall be evermore. Written in the midst of such dark days. But you know, when you think about and you talk about Martin Rinkhart, you realize you're speaking of a man who knew that Thanksgiving comes out of love for God and not from our outward circumstances. I want to talk to you this morning, of course, about the subject of Thanksgiving. The subject here out of the Luke chapter number 17. You no doubt have heard the story of the Good Samaritan many, many times. But I wonder, have you ever stopped to consider the story of the Grateful Samaritan? We find the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And we find the story of the Grateful Samaritan here in Luke chapter 17. And I want to read this passage as you follow along, please. And I'll begin reading at verse number 11 of Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, 11 says, And it came to pass, 
as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. The he there, of course, is the Lord Jesus. Verse 12. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I want you to notice, first of all today, beloved, the problem of these ten. The problem of these ten. It says in verse 12, very plainly, he entered into a certain village and there met him ten men that were lepers. They were lepers. We're told right away they shared a common problem. They all suffer from leprosy, that vicious, dreaded, feared disease. They were sick, but they were not only sick. It says in verse 12, likewise, that says they which stood afar off. They were separated. They stood afar off. They stood way back and they cried out with a loud voice. Now, why did these men stand afar off? Well, the law required it. In Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, it says this. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent or torn and his head bare. He shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. Watch this. He shall dwell alone without the camp shall his habitation be. In Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 through 4, it says this. Command the children of Israel, they put out of the camp every leper and every one that have an issue. And whosoever is defiled by the dead, both male and female shall you put out. Without the camp you put them. That they defile not their camps in the midst whereof I dwell. And the children of Israel did so and put them out without the camp. As the Lord spake unto Moses, so did the children of Israel. So these men had been cut off from the normal routine of their lives. Their families, their surroundings. They had been put outside the camp as the law commanded. They had to walk around crying unclean, unclean to those who had come near them. And these ten men had a common bond. It was the bond of misery. They were bound together by the shared problem of leprosy. The problem of these ten. Now notice the prayer of these ten in verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They began to cry out to the Lord. And I want you to know today that was no half-hearted prayer. That was no monotone, heartless prayer. It was a passionate cry. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And verse 14 says that Jesus finally saw them. And when he saw them, think about that for a moment. Imagine what he saw. These ten lepers, I can assure you it was a pitiful sight to behold. A pitiful sight. Have you ever been moved at the sight of human suffering and disease? I experienced this in my own life just this past week. I serve as a volunteer chaplain at the Wadesboro Hospital. 
And Monday was my turn to make the rounds. And as I did, I met a lady whose condition moved me. It impacted me. It made an impression on me. As I went into her room, I sought to comfort her. I sought to reassure her. I prayed with her as she reached out and and she wanted to hold my hand. She was in distress. She was not well. And it moved me. But friends, as much as physical needs should move us. What should really move us is. Those who may be physically well, but are sin sick. Those who are living under the bondage of sin and the condemnation of sin headed for a Christless eternity in hell. Both of these conditions, physical and spiritual needs, they move us emotionally. But beyond that, more importantly, they should move us beyond mere emotion to action. Did you hear me? They should move us beyond just mere emotional involvement to literal action to do something to help these precious people. We see this played out in the story of the Good Samaritan. Put your finger there in chapter 17 and turn back to chapter 10. We'll begin reading at verse number 30. Luke chapter 10, begin reading at verse 30, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever shalt thou spend this more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now these three thinkest thou was neighboring to him that fell among the thieves. And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. You see in that parable that the Samaritan was moved with compassion in verse 33. He was moved emotionally, he had compassion on him. But in verse 34, he's moved to action. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. He poured in oil and wine. He put him on his own beast. He brought him to an end and took care of him. We find those who are suffering physically. We do what we can to help them and to minister to them. And we run across those who are suffering spiritually. We point them to Jesus Christ. We pray for them. We encourage them. We comfort them. We pray with them. And if they're lost... We share the gospel of the Lord Jesus with them. Now, coming back to our text this morning, we notice what Jesus does here in Luke 17. He saw them in verse 14, and it says this. He said to them, go show yourselves unto the priests. Go show yourselves to the priests. Now, if you're reading beginning in Luke chapter 1 up to this point, you find that Jesus healed a leper in chapter 5. And here's what he did in chapter five. It says in verse 12, and it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Verse 13 says that Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. 
And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing, according as Moses commanded for testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So in Luke chapter five, he finds a man with leprosy. This man comes and Jesus reaches out and touches this man and heals him. Then we fast forward to chapter 17, where we are today. Ten men are there crying, unclean, unclean. And they say, Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And it does not say Jesus touched them. It does not say Jesus went to them. It does not say Jesus did any of that. It says he said this, go show yourselves unto the priest. We see a different method used here today. And it reminds us it's up to the master to choose the method he employs. He's the master. But do note this, beloved, in both cases, the man in chapter five and the men in chapter 17, he told them all to do what? To go show themselves to the priest. They say, preacher, what in the world does it have to do with anything? I mean, they're suffering leprosy. Why go show themselves to the priest? Well, the answer is found in the Old Testament. You may not remember it. You may have tried some time to read through your Bible, maybe in January, uh, the first day of January, so I'm going to read through the Bible this year, and you do well for a little while, so you hit the Leviticus. Huh? Yeah, some are getting convicted right now. But you get to, convict, uh, you get to Leviticus, and, and, and you get bogged down, and sometimes you quit. And maybe you don't quite make it to Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. That's where we find out what's going on here. You see, in Leviticus 13 and 14, we understand the priests were the ones who examined, who diagnosed and pronounced clean lepers and those struggling with skin issues. And you read it, there's some interesting reading about looking at the skin. Well, you go back and read it this afternoon, okay? Leviticus 13 and 14. Let me say, by the way, I'm glad that's not the case today. I'll just be honest with you. I don't want to see your skin issues. You go to a dermatologist or the doctor, okay? But back in that day, they went to the priest and they showed themselves to the priest. And the priest would say, yes, you're clean or no, you're unclean. They were to go to the priest and they were still lepers here. It says in verse 14, go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. So think about that. The Lord says, go show yourself to the priest. And they were not cleansed at that moment. So there was an element of faith in their going. They had to make up their minds that we're going to obey the word of the Lord. Because when he said that, they were still lepers. Because it says there, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Don't know how far they went. But as they turned and they began to obey the Lord, they began to walk toward the priest. We know from Jesus' words in verse 17 that all of them, all of them, were cleansed. All of them were cleansed. So we considered now the problem of these tens and these ten and, and the prayer of these ten. Now notice the praise of this one. It says in verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, let's stop for a moment now. Imagine, put yourself in his sandals if he even had any. This man's been suffering from leprosy. And as he's walking along, Perhaps he begins to look at his comrades there and maybe he notices that they are cleansed. And maybe he begins to look at his own hands and his fingers. Maybe he looks down at his feet and his toes. Maybe he touches his face and his ears and he begins to realize that, yes, indeed, I am cleansed. 
He knows for a fact that that horrible disease is gone. It's gone. He's healed. And his reaction brings about four things here. I want you to notice them quickly. It says in verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, first of all, turned back. He turned back. What does that mean? It means he turned back. It means he was going in one direction to see the priest. He took a break from that and said, hey, I'm going back to see the Lord Jesus. Then it says what? He turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. He glorified God with a loud voice. In other words, he put forth praise. He praised the Lord. And I don't know about you, but man alive, if you just been healed from leprosy, would you not be excited in praising God? Then it says what? Verse 16, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. He fell down at the feet of Jesus. That is worship. He fell at the feet of Jesus. Then it says what? Giving him thanks. That is thanksgiving. Four things there. He turned back. He glorified God with a loud voice. Praise. He fell down at the feet of Jesus. Worship. And he gave thanks to Jesus. Thanksgiving. And notice at the end of verse 16, we're now told some interesting information. The very last part of verse 16 says, and he was a Samaritan. Now, that implies, along with what Jesus says in verse 18, where Jesus calls him a stranger or a foreigner, that this man, of course, was a Samaritan, but the other nine were Jews. That's what's implied there. Now, you remember that the Samaritans and the Jews, they were not fishing buddies and hunting buddies and Bosom buddies, they disliked greatly one another. In fact, they hated one another. But you know what? These Jewish lepers and this Samaritan, they laid all that aside. Why? Because misery loves company. G. Campbell Morgan said, under such conditions, men forget the things that hold them apart. It would almost seem as though there may be occasions when trouble and misery are beneficent. If they reduce men to the consciousness of their common humanity and make them forget the things that divide. You see, these men were lepers. They say, well, you know, you're a Samaritan and we're Jews or, or no, you're Jews and I'm a Samaritan. They say, hey, we are lepers and they dwelt together and they were together in their misery. And this Samaritan showed a proper response. He praised and worshiped and thanked God. And what's really interesting here is to notice Jesus response. Jesus says in verse 17, and Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? He asked two questions there. Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Where are they? They were cleansed. I mean, they were lepers. They were in pitiful shape. When they returned and going to the priest, they were healed but at verse 18 says, they are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger, this foreigner, this Samaritan. Now, think about that. The Lord Jesus asked two questions there. Were there not ten cleansed? Him, but where are the nine? Where are the nine? And Morgan again commenting said this. Listen, Christ values gratitude and misses it when it is not expressed. Have you ever thought about that? Now, let's be honest for a moment. Set aside your holiness and, and your uh, spiritual pride for a moment. How many of you like to be thanked? Let's be honest about it. Yeah, you like to be thanked. So do I. I mean, it's meaningful, is it not? When somebody says thank you for something you've done to them. And I find here the Lord Jesus is 
has stopped and he's cleansed and healed these ten men. And and only one returns and he says, where are the nine? Where are they? They all had leprosy. They all cried out. They all were in misery. They all were healed. But only one returned. And then Jesus looks at him in verse 19 and says this. Arise, go thy way. The man's still at his feet, obviously. Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, what in the world does Jesus mean there? This man was already healed of leprosy. That's why he's at the feet of Jesus. Because he's been healed, he's praising and thanking God. What in the world does it mean that his faith had made him whole? Well, it means this, beloved. It had truly made him whole. In other words, his faith has led to his salvation. Not only was his body made whole, so was his soul. The idea is this, is this Samaritan exercised saving faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, as you look at this story and you think about it, the application is pretty clear, isn't it? It's pretty obvious. Just as one healed leper responded to the Lord in praise and worship and thanksgiving, so should we. But that question should catch us. It should grip us. Where are the nine? Perhaps this morning we look at that and you're thinking in your heart of hearts, how could they? How could they be so ungrateful not to return? But let's be honest one more time, beloved. How many times are we more often with the nine than with the one? How many times are we more often with the nine than with the one? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, in everything, give thanks. In everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hebrews 13.15 says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Perhaps you're here today and we're thinking about Thanksgiving and this wonderful time of the year. Perhaps you say, well, preacher, I still have my problems. I don't have much to be thankful for. Why should I praise the Lord when I'm going through so much heartache and sorrow and suffering? And I'm glad you're honest if that's what you're thinking. A party of pioneers on the Oregon Trail... Suffered for weeks from scarcity of water and grass for their animals. Most of the wagons had broken down, (laughs) causing endless delays and the stifling heat. And you know what happened? A feeling of fretfulness and futility prevailed among them. Optimism and cheer was out the window. And courage, which was greatly needed, I'm sure, in those days, was in very limited supply. Well, one night, these leaders, they called together a meeting to air out their complaints. You ever been to one of those meetings? They called together that meeting, and they gathered around the campfire, and one man stood up and said this, Before we commence our grief session, don't you think we should at least first thank God that He's brought us this far with no loss of life, with no serious trouble from the Indians? And that we have enough strength left to finish our journey. And the other settlers sitting around, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, let's do that. And after a very brief prayer, all that could be heard at that campfire 
were the cries of a distant pack of wolves. Otherwise, there was stone silence around that campfire because no one there had any grievances they felt important enough to share. And they suddenly realized if they couldn't be satisfied with what they'd received, they could at least be thankful for what they'd escaped. Thankfulness enabled them to see the mercies of God that they had been overlooking. Beloved, if you're struggling along today, I want you to understand something. We must recognize that God's goodness is not based on our circumstances. I've said it before here and I'll say it again and I'll keep on saying it. God helping me. God is good all the time. God is worthy of praise, adoration, thanksgiving and praise all the time. All the time. And as we look at our blessings, one has to really wonder about the condition of our hearts. That we're more often with the nine than we are with the one. Regardless of what's going on and transpiring around us, we should cry out and say with Martin Rinkhart, Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices. Who wondrous things have done in whom his world rejoices. Who from our mother's arms have blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love. And still. And still is ours today. All thanks and praise be to God, our father, creator, maker, sustainer. The loving Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for this account from Scripture. Lord, help us to be a thankful people, to magnify and praise you. For we know you're worthy of praise and glory and adoration. At all times, we love you and praise you. In the Savior's name, amen.